Welcome to Talk to Me with Liv Harrison, the stories behind their success. Hi, I'm Liv, and I began speaking at 13 years old. Not actual speaking, I mean public speaking. I was part of a really dynamic Catholic community in Houston, Texas, and they really took on the goal of developing young speakers and allowing their youth to really take shape and formation as leaders in the Catholic Church, especially in the realm of youth ministry. We had a lot of youth-centered programming. And not only that, we were actually trained and taught how to do the things they wanted us to do. So at 13, I was asked to give my first talk on a retreat. What do you have to say at 13? Not a lot. You haven't lived very, you don't even know you're alive. You're barely, you you have no idea if you're a kid, if you're a teenager, you're a young adult. It's a confusing time. Also, who wants to look at a face full of pimples, right? So you were paired at my parish with an adult. Now, my adult was loosely an adult. She was like 24, 25. She was adorable. Blonde, bubbly, cute as a button. I cannot for the life of me remember her name, but I remember she was very intentional with teaching me how to start a talk. We spent lots of time together with her teaching me certain things. And here's what's so funny. She was like, Liv, here's the deal. You have to hook them at the beginning. Grab your audience. Tell them a story. And her idea of that was taking an excerpt out of a book, which she chose, Alice in Wonderland, and she gave it to me highlighted with certain parts that I was to read, and she was to read the other highlighted parts. Okay, so this went about as fantastic as you think it did. First of all, nobody wants to sit and listen to a 13-year-old read from a yellow highlighted section of Alice in Wonderland. This is not going to get the audience in a, oh, yay, can't wait to hear the rest of this talk. (laughs) However, she definitely stuck with me about how to kick off a talk. What's a little funny is I, I didn't leave that concept of kicking off a talk with somebody else's work For kind of a while, I used a lot of other people's writings or poetry, books, things of that nature. And then, and gosh, I feel like I'm really confessing right now. (laughs) Oh my gosh, this is going to show my age. I might as well just take out an Atari system and play it while you listen, because that's how old this concept is. In the 1990s, if anybody was involved in youth ministry... (laughs) Oh, geez. I'm about to have some PTSD right now. Whether you were a teen in the 90s, whether you were speaking in the 90s, whether you were doing both, which is what I was doing, it was a time period of props. You guys, listen, so many props. It was ridiculous. (laughs) The cheesiness of 1990s youth ministry I can't, I cannot deny it. I've got to own it. There's nothing else to do. I'm pretty sure there's photographic evidence of the terrible things I did in retreat ministry. Oh my gosh. And the songs that I would use, you know, to enter into a talk or to close a talk. It was so emo, so emo. A lot of Bebo Norman, a lot. Which, listen, I have some mad love for him. 
a lot of jars of clay. I'm just trying to bring it back. So I would use props. There's one prop I still use today. I got to be honest. It is walnuts and rice. And I rarely use it maybe once a year. But guys, it got kind of ugly. Like at one point, I think I thought I was Oprah. Like I was handing tickets out to an audience, actual tickets, like movie tickets. And I, I loved it. I was like, and you get a ticket and you get a ticket and you get a ticket. And it was ridiculous. But I was thinking, oh, they're hooked. This is it. This is how you do youth ministry. This is how you start a talk with teens. Hysterical. I mean, it's just hysterical. That's okay. The concept, though, isn't actually that crazy. I really do use that formula still, but I learned to adapt and evolve it into my own work. I now start almost every talk with a story, but it's personal. It's something from my experience. It's something from my journey. I'm definitely old enough at this point that I have enough story. I don't need to go to books. And it's not as relatable when you do go to a book or to someone else's work. Not that it is the worst idea. It is just better when you connect with your audience with your own story. Your story is something precious because nobody else can tell it. It's your story to tell. And I got to be honest, in youth ministry, Listen, if you're not ready to get vulnerable and share a lot of your story, you're not ready to work with teenagers. <laughs> Talking about the Avengers will only get you so far. You have got to relate because when somebody doesn't have a date to homecoming and everybody else does, and it's not during quarantine and people can actually go out of their homes and wear dresses and corsages, that's a big deal. And you have got to relate to that. So my guest today is perfect for this. She not only has been a youth minister, but now she is a big time speaker. <laughs> She's on the Steubenville circuit. She speaks at young adult conferences. She is an author, a self-publishing author at that. She has a DVD series. Oh, and you know what the best part about her is? She's a stay-at-home mom and an incredible wife. I am so excited to finally interview Katie Hartfill. Katie, hi, friend. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. Thanks for having me. <laughs> absolutely. You look absolutely adorable, which is new and different because what? You always look adorable. So oh, well. I'm not surprised. <laughs> I'm glad I said yes to this already. Thank you. <laughs> I mean, but that's because you have no children. You haven't been married. You don't do anything hard, right? I mean, your life is just, you're sitting around like a fresh-faced 23-year-old watching Netflix all day. Is that your life, Katie? Am I nailing it? I would like. <laughs> I'm not sure if I say something. I'm, I'm trying to pick here which way I go with this joke. <laughs> all those things were lies. Yeah. Not <laughs> it's even like close. Yes. <laughs> it's like two truths and a lie, yet all of it was lying. Um, okay, so so you are a mom. How many children do you have? I have four children. I have three girls, and then we have a baby boy. So he's the golden child of our He's the <laughs> You're leaving everything to him. Yes. He's your heir. Yes. Exactly. I love 
it. <laughs> and how, okay. And how long have you been married? Uh, we have been married for 15 years. Wow. Which is crazy because literally you look 27. Like, hey, I'm not kidding. <laughs> I'm going to ask you for your moisturizer when this is over because you should sell it. Like you look incredible. So here's the thing. Katie, I have known you for a little while, which is funny. Our story is a little funny because I was friends with your brother-in-law in college, which for us was a summer ago, but he went to Texas Tech University here in Texas. You and I both live in Houston and I went to Tech. Obviously, that's how I met him. You did not go to Tech. <laughs> that is not where you went, but that is how I got connected to you. I remember the first time I bounced up to you and I was like, I'm friends with Matt. And you were like, great for you. <laughs> no, I wasn't. No, no was you weren't. I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. But where did you go to school? Um, it wasn't Tech, so I'm dying to know. Where did you get your education? So I went to Franciscan University in Steubenville. My husband actually went to Tech for two years, but then he transferred to Franciscan. Um, I was at University of Northern Colorado for my first year, and then we both transferred in at the same time. So that's where we met one another. So you met at Franciscan. Okay, fantastic. Yep. That's like the Mecca of it all the really places. It really is. I know. <laughs> it really is. You're part of the Catholic Mecca. Oh, my gosh. And I beat the odds. It's like the guy-to-girl ratio is like four to one there. So I'm of, proud of women to men? Yes, yes. Whoa. <laughs> that might be a You're slight like exaggeration, but it's something – similar to that it's it's crazy that's fantastic although I could see like people getting a little sad if, if like as a girl you're like so no one's asked me out you know because yeah there's so many women yeah that and then you got all these burning guys and priesthood oh, people geez. and all that so <laughs> that's a lot the yes, discerning yeah. guys they need to wear shirts like I love Jesus more than you which it should be all of them no they absolutely <laughs> do they do have shirts they have clubs and little households that are all about discerning so you know who's off limits that's funny. No <laughs> spaghetti straps around those guys. That's okay. Right. So like wear a sweater, right. ladies. Only like, keep it... the skin. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> keep it clean. So what was your major when you were at Franciscan? What did you end up majoring in? So I was a theology major. Um, which nice. Is I didn't see that coming. Exactly. But I, I think I'm the only person that I know that's only a theology major. They actually really encourage people to double major if you're majoring in theology. That was <laughs> at the beginning of the year that's like, uh, just so you know, um, you're not going to make any money if you're a theology major. So <laughs> it's good to have, you know, some other skills. <laughs> so, uh, but I also didn't have any money. <laughs> so I knew I needed to graduate really fast. So I transferred in and then I took a bunch of uh, overloads, graduated a semester early and with one degree. <laughs> so that was how I made it out. Made it out. You did fantastic. And then what did you go? And after that, is that when you jumped into youth ministry? Did you become a youth minister right off the bat? Yeah, so I started my first job in youth ministry two weeks after. Well, we graduated two weeks later, got married, Franciscan way. And then uh, <laughs> two weeks later, started my uh, first job in ministry, youth ministry, St. Cecilia here in Houston. So that was uh, where I was my whole time in youth ministry. I was there for uh, seven and a half years. I always wow. say youth ministry years are like dog years. They really all, yeah. all equal seven, you know? So <laughs> I seven years. It. Yes, I loved, absolutely loved it. It was such a blessed time. So I miss it in a lot of ways still, but. I'm sure you do. But at that time, when you were doing youth ministry, you're young, you're in your 20s. You haven't had all the babies yet, I'm guessing. Right. All four <laughs> didn't come <laughs> right away. Although in the Catholic way, they could have, right? I mean, you're, you know, they, they can come pretty fast. But when you're doing this, 
this ministry. At some point, Katie, you started speaking beyond your youth little audience, like beyond the kids that were having to come and listen to you once a week, twice a week, whatever you were doing on the youth ministry level. When did that start? Like how soon into your ministry did you get into speaking on the parish level? Like maybe just around town, something around there. How did that kind of happen? Well, uh, really, though, while I was at St. Cecilia, I was only doing St. Cecilia. So it's a really, really large parish, um, 5,000 families. And um, we had a really big youth program just by um, the fact of there was a lot of kids. <laughs> so we had about uh, 450 kids that were in our high school program and 250 kids that were in our junior high program. Um, and so through that, uh, I really had just a great opportunity. I, I always loved speaking and um and things like growing up and uh, did a lot of things like in high school and stuff like that, but um, just had a passion for especially being able to sh share the gospel. And uh, I feel like I really kind of honed my, my speaking skills by just naturally wanting to tell these kids who I love so deeply um, about the most passionate, deep love in my own life. And so uh, I was really, really spending a lot of time working on those talks that I was giving to the teens and um, just really being uh, strategic and calculating, you know, where we were at the beginning of the year and where I wanted them to end at the end of the year, we were going on this journey where I was going to take them. Uh, and really, to be honest, like those, that was my favorite time of being able to really, Oh yeah, absolutely. Because I have such a connection with who I'm speaking to. And so uh, I'm, yeah. I'm getting to experience their retreat experiences and their adoration experiences and their life-changing, you know, conversions and I'm walking with them. And so, um, even being able to speak to where I know they are in their journey and, uh, where we are also going, it was just really, really blessed. And so I love, I love what I do now. And I, I love being able to go in and, um, and preach in these certain scenarios, but I really miss, I mean, I, I go in somewhere. I don't know these kids from, I don't know what right. they've experienced. Um, sometimes you walk in and they look like they would rather be at a funeral than <laughs> at, you know, this youth event or whatever it is. Um, so, and then I don't know anything about what happens in their lives afterwards. Sure. Get on a plane and I go home, you know? So, yeah. uh, especially being at, you know, big conferences and things like that. I, I get really sad, like during, um, like the, the praise worship and the adoration and things like that. Like there's no one to sweat on me. Like I'm not going to hear any of these <laughs> bus ride home stories. You know? Oh, I get that. Things, you know? So yeah. it was definitely, yeah, my, my favorite, my favorite time. And I feel like a lot of people, you know, who, who really want to pursue speaking and stuff like that's, that's kind of what like they miss, you know, what just, just, preach Jesus where you are, you know, and, and the Lord right. you know, open the doors when, if, and when that's where he's calling you. Right. Correct. Yeah. So I didn't really see though a lot outside of my own parish until after I left, um, youth ministry. So, which I was very, very thankful that God has allowed me to continue to do what I love to do, but yeah, no kidding. So when you left in 2012, is that when you left? Because you, you released a book in 2012 called woman in love. And that was self-published by you. But was that during the same time? Had you already left St. Cecilia's? What was the time frame on that? So that was actually like right as I was leaving. Um, okay. Cecilia, yeah. 
um, it was, I think it was like February of that year. And then I left in uh, May of that same year. So, um, and what happened was I, I had my first baby then thinking, uh, you know, like, okay, my time is over in youth ministry. Well, my pastor was so wonderful to let me bring her with me to work. And so my youth room got really youthy. So I had a four year old <laughs> and, um, and, at the time, well, I had a four-year-old and then I had another baby. And so um, at that point, wow. I had two of them in the youth room with me. And that was when it was like, okay, this is a little insane. But um, it was never a thing of like, I'm sober down. I'm so done with this. I'm out of here. It was just really peaceful. Like, okay, this is where God's calling me. Um, it's time for me to do you know ministry in my home. And uh, really peaceful about it, but also sad, really sad. Too. Yeah. Uh, and it was really cool. Like all my teenagers, they would come in after school and uh, rock my babies to sleep. And, <laughs> oh, uh, it's like, oh. like I literally potty trained a kid at the church. <laughs> so <laughs> the that's there. beautiful. Yeah, they spent more hours at the church than they did uh, waking hours, you know, than they did in their own house. So um, yeah. it was a really cool, and I think it was cool for my teenagers too, like to be close to somebody who was pregnant, having babies, experiencing these kind of things and close to our family. So, um, but then the book was really placed in my heart. Um, just kind of leading up to that separately. And um, when I when I left Cecily and then the book kind of started to take off a little bit, uh, I was pleasantly surprised as kind of speaking stuff started to open up here and there as well to still be able to go and, and preach and, and do what I love to do so much, but then also still feel like I was doing what God was calling me to do by um, being with my family um, full-time sure. as well. So. so what kind of, there? there's always an ache in the heart, mm -hmm. I say that that's how I try to describe it. When something just won't leave you, like there's a tug. Mm -hmm. Obviously, this book was placed on your heart at a certain point. I I'm guessing the first day you sat down to type wasn't the first day you had the idea right. to write the book. Yeah. It had been something that had been in your brain, on your heart. People say it in different ways. That's how I say it. Yeah, that's how I describe it. So, how long had you been pursued? in a sense, to write a book? Like, how long do you remember that kind of aching at you? Right. Um, that's a great question. I, I don't I, I don't know if I could pinpoint it necessarily, but I, I know I started it probably four or five times <laughs> and <laughs> without necessarily a, a really clear direction, I guess, of, of where I wanted to go. And so that was another beautiful thing just about um, your youth ministry. Well, ministry period, you know, when you're, when you're doing speaking and things like that, especially when you're brought in to talk about something really specific and then you spend all this time, like thinking about it, praying about it, um, right. about how it impacts your life and, uh, reading scriptures about it and researching what other people have said and these kind of things. And some of that has just been like some of the greatest blessings in my own spiritual life over the last, um, seven or eight years since uh, I've been doing speaking it really kind of developed as I was sharing with these young women, um, particularly about pursuing their vocation and um, purity, chastity, yes, but specifically about saying yes to God and what God's plan is for your life, trusting in him completely, um, praying for your vocation, for your future spouse, um, those kind of things, and just being really intentional about it. And so as I was walking with them, uh, I think like the Lord revealed so many things to me as well. And so over time, um, it really just became a matter of taking everything that we had I'd spoken to them about or the conversations that I'd had with them and the ways that, that they had shared with me and things like that and um, putting it all together 
and getting it all from inside my brain <laughs> out onto the computer. <laughs> so, um, yeah, and I actually, it, yes, like it was, it was on my heart and I felt like it was this big call. And it was also, at the time I was pregnant, I wrote most of it in the middle of the night, unable to sleep while I was pregnant with my second child. Uh, <laughs> so it was like a great opportunity. And then also feeling like, oh, I got to get all this out there before I have a newborn and, and those kind of things. So it was a good um, catalyst of the Lord being like, okay, now, <laughs> you know, and then um, it all kind of unfold without even knowing that it was really going to be the springboard for the next chapter of ministry that he had in store for me. Oh, that's amazing. That well, And it was. That really is what kind of put you on the circuit, I would say. You're on a couple of circuits at this point, but where you went from just this cute little adorable Houston gal, you know, that like a couple of us had heard of or, you know, knew was on the scene to where you're now this national speaker. I don't know. You might be international for all I know. I, I did Canada once, though. Apparently, I must own have. it. Own <laughs> it. <laughs> and in Lubbock, where I went to school at Texas Tech, they say that they they're the internet Lubbock International Airport because they one time flew to Mexico. There so listen, go. I'm all for this. So <laughs> yes, you're it. an international speaker. <laughs> but it changed because of this book. So here's the thing. Here's my big question for you. Okay, what had to get quiet in your life so you could hear God? Meaning. He had put this on your heart, however that was. A lot of people think, oh, I'm going to write a book. I'm going to do a book. I'm going to write a brochure. I don't know. <laughs> Pamphlets, a sticker. And at some point, you had to say yes. You had to say, this is not only a great idea, but I'm actually going to do it. Right. <laughs> so what were you saying no to? What was in your way, whether it be well, I don't want to give you any ideas. I don't want to speak for you. <laughs> I was about to give you a list. <laughs> That's the parent in me. <laughs> was it peanut butter and jelly? Is that what you smeared on the couch? Was it a grilled cheese? Like, I'm always giving a list. <laughs> so what was it? What, what had to get quiet in your life for you to hear God loud enough for you to answer yes, finally? I, I think that God takes us on a process a lot of times in those kind of things to really recognize like the aching and the desire, like you were talking about before. And then just putting in front of you, like there's, there's a need for this. And if, if you don't do it, who's going to, you know, and, and I think there's, there's all of us in the messages that we have in ministry um, and things like that. Like you could say, okay, um, Liv, go give a talk on the raising of Lazarus. You know, you could go give this great talk and I, in, or Katie, go give this talk on the raising of Lazarus and I could give a great talk or whatever, but there's certain things that you would share that I would never think of, you know? And Correct. Right. And so that's, that's like the beauty of, of us sharing our stories and those kind of things. And so, um, I think that I, I had this thought and this desire and all these kind of things for so long. Um, and eventually it was like, the Lord was just saying like, you have to, you have to do this because, um, this is my story that I want for you to share. And Whoa. now is the time, you know? Wow. Um, and that's kind of like the tagline, I guess, of, of the whole thing of woman in love and, and the story and all that kind of stuff is that God, God is writing our story. And all we have to do is, is allow him to write it. And it's just a series of yeses, you know, that happen, um, one at a time. Oh, I love that. I think for me at that time, there was a lot of, of ways that I had uh, been trying to figure out like who I was, who I was in ministry, who I am as mom, who I am as wife and, um, and stuff like that. And um, finally it was like, okay, <laughs> here, here I'm about to 
to have a baby. I knew that I was probably going to be leaving soon and those kind of things. And, um, and I had to really start asking like what God wanted and if this was where God was calling me and, um, and carving out those times of, of being really intentional, intentional about looking at what the Lord was asking and where he was wanting to write my story. So I think it was kind of born within that, um, which is right. because I never thought about that before, but that being a really cool thing of like the story, like coming out of God telling me to tell the story. <laughs> so no, that that's really cool. It's almost as if your own personal story had to quiet down for you then to tell his story, right? which is what he was asking you to do or what you felt within your prayer life, within your own discernment and research that this is what the Lord is asking you to do. And you said yes. So let me ask this question. Does it get easier to say yes to God after you already have? Or do you find it like, uh uh-uh, you know what? That was a tough thing that you asked me the last time. (laughs) You know, like I could see it either way. Sometimes I've gotten better at the yes, because once you start saying yes, it's like, okay, I took this risk. I did this big thing. Now I see where it's going. So I could see where, all right, I wrote a book. I had another baby. And now he's asking you to speak on a national level. I'm guessing you didn't start with Canada, but you know, you're starting on a national level. So was that easier to step into that next place? Like to go with him there after you already said yes to the book? Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think like you're, like you said, yes and no, right? Like there's, (laughs) depends on the question. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. True. True. And there's so many times where where I'm like, Oh, I don't know. I don't know. And then you look back and like, Oh yeah. Sorry, God. Like I'll remember that next time. Actually, no, I won't. (laughs) Actually next time I'm going to worry about it and, uh, and stress and have all this anxiety, just like I did the last time. Uh, (laughs) But but one thing I, I think was just discernment maybe in general, um, sure. and, and I felt this really strongly when I was in youth ministry and I feel really strongly as a parent, to be honest, like that the most important thing that we can teach our young people, our children, period, is to say yes to God above anything. And, and we love worry that. about all of these things, like their grades and their, you know, right. attitudes and their manners and all that kind of stuff. All that is really, really, really important. But, um, the most important thing we will ever, ever, ever instill in our young people is to ask God what he wants and to have the courage to say yes to him. And so, uh, in my time in youth ministry, what we would talk about a lot is, um, that we need to be conditioned in that yes, in our lives and all of the teeny tiny things. So that when God does ask the big things, we're like, Oh, I do this every day. And, uh, so one thing I like that I don't know if Mark made this up, my husband made this up or not, or if he heard it from somewhere else, but, um, he's we'll about, give him credit. Yeah, this is all Mark. Yes. Oh, <laughs> heart feel right here. So, yeah, you know, we always talk about the yes prayer and how, like, when you wake up in the morning, um, the very first thing you should do is just simply pray. Yes. That's all. Like that's Ooh. the whole prayer. And really <laughs> that's like, easy. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It is until all of a sudden, you know, <laughs> really like what you're saying, like, Lord, whatever you have in store for me today, whatever it looks like, I have no idea. I have no idea what it's going to be, but wow. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, when you, when you practice that and then all of a sudden, you know, as a young person who's discerning or whatever, um, and God says, well, I want you to be a nun. Well, I've been saying yes. And I've seen how greatly that's worked out and all this kind of stuff. Like, of course, you know, I can trust you within that. Not necessarily that it's easy, but that it's easier, um, to, yeah. to, to say yes to the Lord when it's a habit and it's something that we're consistently doing. So. 
No, I think that makes a lot of sense. Mark is a genius. Right. So you'll have to <laughs> you'll have to tell him that I yeah. said that. Yeah. But that's such fantastic advice, not just to parents of teenagers, which I happen to have a teen. So thank you for that, because I don't know if I have instilled that concept in his formation <laughs> to say yes to God. That's a very good point. But I say all the time, Katie, and I don't know if you feel this way, but I feel like adults are just really like, you know, older teenagers with like wrinkler skin. <laughs> That's not a word. Um, yeah. You know, like your skin just kind of gets weird, but you're, you're very similar, you know, like teens and adults are very similar and saying yes to God, I don't think it's any easier in your twenties, your thirties, your forties than they are when you're a teenager. But I think you have a good point. If you start getting in the habit of saying yes to God. And let's be honest, you could start that at any point, right? Right. So no one who's listening who's like 78 is like, oh, well, peace out. It's yeah, too yeah, late yeah. for me. <laughs> <laughs> you can always begin with that very simple prayer of saying yes, so that when the big stuff comes, and that doesn't mean it's easy. I'm guessing it's not easy to take a stage, even at this point, in front of thousands of people you're still a person, you're still a human, you're still a mom and a wife and a beautiful, amazing woman. It's still, you know, difficult to put it out there. And yet you do. And I'm sure it's because of the grace that you receive from saying yes. So I love that. I think that's a really great place to end your story, which I know there's more to your story. And I got to ask you, if I ever am able to interview again, would you be up for that? Because I would love to have you back. Of You're course. so lovely. <laughs> Absolutely. Count me in. I would love Perfect. to. Perfect. Katie, to. you are awesome. Womaninlove.org is where people can find you. You have multiple books. You have a DVD series. You do retreats and speaking. Right now we're into quarantine, so I'm guessing a lot happens at home, but people can find your book and they can find other ways to connect with you online and on Instagram. How can people find you on social media? What is the easiest way? So Instagram and Facebook are, and Twitter are all at Katie Hartfield, H-A-R-T-F-I-E-L, no D. <laughs> so, <laughs> they're all the same. <laughs> Perfect. Katie, thank you so much. I appreciate you being here today um, and for talking to me. Kiss all those babies and tell Mark he's a genius. Until next time, friend, I'll talk to you soon. Thank you, Liv. Thank you. All right, girl. Talk to you later. Bye. God Bye. bless. Well, thank you so much for listening to Talk To Me with Liv Harrison. The stories behind their success. I am so excited that this podcast has launched and I need your help. I need you to take a moment to subscribe. I need you to please share it on your social media platforms and with your friends and your colleagues and your kids. All right, maybe not your kids. And I need you to leave me a review and a rating, especially on Apple. As I build my audience these first few weeks, I really need your help. So if you enjoyed it, come back. Do that by subscribing, by sharing, by passing the word around. And until then, I'll be listening for you. Okay, fine. You'll be waiting to hear from me. <laughs> Bye, you guys. See you next time.